Welcome to episode 35 of the Golf Betting System podcast. This week we are covering the A Military Tribute at the Greenbrier on the PJ Tour and the Irish Open on the European Tour. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. I'm Steve Bamford, PJ Tour Previewer at Golf Betting System, and with me we have European Tour expert Paul Williams. Evening to you, Paul. Good evening, Steve. Good evening, Barry. Spoiler alert, I'm here. He's jumping the gun again. We also have podcast pundit, can you believe it, Barry O'Hanrahan. How are you going, Barry? You right? I'm really good, guys, yeah. Uh, exciting week. It's like our uh, fifth major. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We've said, haven't we, the European Tour, that's uh, leading the way in the next few weeks. Mm. So last week and uh, this, next, and then we're into the Open, so it's all good. Um, GolfBettingSystem.co.uk, that's the website you can find all of our content at. Twitter handles for you. I'm at Bamford Golf. Paul is at Golf Betting. Barry is at A Good Talk Golf. We're available on Podbean, iTunes, TuneIn for Android, Player FM, Podtail. And last week we were added to Spotify, which is great news, great for subscribers of Spotify like myself. Just tap in Golf Betting System into the Spotify search and all of our past and of course the current uh, podcasts are available on Spotify so that's fantastic yeah brilliant naturally subscribe or follow the podcast and tell your friends about the show please take time to rate and review us on iTunes some update on that actually we're up to eight ratings on iTunes and we are scoring five stars so it's all very very good feedback keep it coming it helps to keep the content free across our website, YouTube, and of course, this podcast. Should we quickly talk about last week? Um, clearly, um, it was a very exciting finish over in Paris. I read that there were four odds-on players across the afternoon on Sunday. Yeah, it was, it was a good event all round, I think. I thoroughly enjoyed it, I must say. Um, nice little order uh, for the uh, Ryder Cup in a three months or so's time, and uh, yeah, nice to see how the course is shaping up. It's going to play a bit different, of course, when we get there in uh, at the end of September. It's likely to be nowhere near as firm and fast as it was uh, this week, just gone. Uh, unless this dry spell that we're all experiencing at the moment continues for the whole of the summer, and then it could be uh, could be proper fiery then. Yeah, it's it's a fun golf course. I mean, it's challenging, mm. but um, yeah, it has uh, it has its fun aspects and its its uh, scorable holes, and um, then it's just got that absolute beast of a, a finishing stretch. Yeah, it's brutal. Um, we it? saw that pay. Um, you know, put put a few guys to bed, and Naren was sitting in the clubhouse or on the range. Happy days. Yeah, he's got a habit, hasn't how he? Euro- how many European Tour victories is that now for Naren? That was his Ten? tenth, yeah, that was his tenth, I believe. If you look at the last three he's got, so he won the Ned Bank, uh, when was that, back at the back end of 2016, um, and he shot 63 to win that on the final day, coming from behind, um, and it was uh, Wang, wasn't it, he beat, um, and he caught him up and overtook him, and then, um, obviously, uh, down at Wentworth, 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 yeah, Wentworth last year, um, when um, I was on him, and I'd virtually given up, and then he shot uh, 62 the final day to win that, and uh, beat uh, Francesco Molinari, didn't he, that day? And then, uh, yeah, like yesterday, it wasn't quite to the same extent, was it? But even so, he posted a, 
I'd say in the clubhouse that uh, the guys couldn't stick with and uh, Julian Surrey he, he was in position didn't uh, didn't hold on at the 18th Chris Wood was um, in the lead and then tied for the lead and uh, you know it just couldn't couldn't keep it going at the back end of the uh, back end of that tricky finish as you say Barry so uh, so yeah another event for Norren another win for Norren was he up to 14th in the world something like that now he's uh, very good record he's got and that Honda Classic link we spoke about in the podcast last week yeah. is cast iron again isn't it because Norren finished second or third there this year we yeah, know third, that yeah. um, Russell Knox who again backed all second place mm. last week he's won at PJ National Honda Classic yeah so that's a that's a really it's and a I, when I just link, I mean it? I said to you this morning when I when I look at that golf course the Golf National it does remind me of the it does remind me of PJ National just yeah. you know just the way it formats the way it sets up and it's not you don't get that gnarliness at uh, in Florida but you do the the courses there is a lot of similarities. Wait, and they're, and they're proper tricky courses, aren't they? So Wind swept as well, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it was windy for the first couple of days, um, which really brought brought the, uh, you know, really brought that to the fore over Thursday and Friday this this week, and you know, it made it, it made it a really tricky test as it should be. You know, if you but bear in mind, Norren came into the weekend at three over par and shot ten under over the weekend to win at seven under. That's. Uh, yeah. You know, it's a, it's a good performance from from him, and we talked about him briefly last week, didn't we? And um, I kind of swerved away from him because he was sixteen to one. But um, yeah, you live and learn, don't you? He was he, he ticked virtually every box I was looking at. Just uh, you kind of get put off by the price with some of these players, and uh, yeah, justified it in the end. Although, as you say, it, it, you know, a number of players with a with a you know a competent finish at the end over the final four holes could have taken that title in the end. So. Exciting, definitely. You landed um, Matthew Southgate at two hundred to one, didn't you? So that's another great boost for your profit and loss. Yeah, it was four, a, four each way place. Yeah, it was one a of those, nice result. One of those sneaky, horrible backdoor top seven results. <laughs> yeah. they're, not, they're not sneaky and horrible when uh, when when they land in yeah. your lap, are they? But uh, do you know what? He had, he had a he had a chance to win it as well. You know, you look back and he was um, six under par playing the seventeenth hole, and the seventeenth wasn't as tough as some of those holes coming home and uh, he bogeyed that um, you know a birdie there part of finish that's a playoff you know and the way he played that final round um, you know he put himself in with a chance you know at the start of the day you wouldn't have given that but if you look at where you know over the course of the week I was absolutely screaming at the telly or the laptop whichever it was at the time because he kept getting himself into a strong position around and then he'd just blow it Time after time after time, he um, I think he was five over par on the par five ninth over the first three days, um, you know, and level par for those three days. He wins the tournament. He, he, That's a great hole, that is. Oh, he's, he's, he's a great hole. I'm, I'm looking forward to that at the ride. Yeah, he's a, he's a great hole, and, and for a par five, it's not it's not a straightforward par, let alone a straightforward birdie. But to be five over for three attempts, it was uh, you know rather golden. And then he'd also he'd got a quad in there, he'd got a treble in there over the first three days. And you're looking at these numbers that he's racked up and you're thinking, you know, oh, one of those, just one of those holes where he's had an absolute disaster. You take that away, he's in the playoff. Or he's won the tournament at 200 to 1. But yes. It must have birdied a fair. Oh, yeah, yes. <laughs> if you, it, was, it was boom or bust. Yeah, if you, if, if you take a look at his uh, scorecard, 
Um, apart from the 9th through the 12th, his scorecard for the week is absolutely immaculate. Apart from that 17th hole on the uh, on the Sunday, the rest of it is just birdies and pars. It was really, really clean. And then you've got this spell in the middle around the turn where um, it just kind of fell apart each day. It's uh, bizarre. But, uh, you, know, you know, he's he's a good fit for... Um, those firm, fast, almost linksy type courses. Um, he'll be very popular this week as well. Um, whether he can go uh, and produce back-to-back performances uh, is the question that punters need to ask themselves this week. But um, you know, it's, it's, it's a it's a difficult one to scrub off the list, which um, we'll talk about. When Francesco we get there. Molinari won in the states his first victory on the PGA Tour. Mm, impressive. He closed in style. Yeah. Wow. So. I think I rejected him on price. So, yeah, yeah, I twenty twos and sixteens. But uh, you know, if you look, an awful lot of people bagged the double on our Facebook group last night. Judging by some of the comments and the uh, mm. and the big um, big screenshots I saw, of some of the wins. So you know, clearly a lot of people have gone down that route. And uh, fair play to them. Well done if you managed to get one or t'other or even both of those uh, players up for the week. Good start. Two wins in his last four events and a second, so yeah, he's playing twenty well, to one. In retrospect, isn't a bad price potentially. No, nice. And, and it was it was a particularly crap field yeah. for the PGA Tour. Even so, so if he was going to win one, yeah, um, it it was going to be that one. Mm. Tiger was too far away, and you know when you're being challenged by Ryan Armour and these kind of guys, Benjamin Bronson, Bronson Bagoon. Bronson Bagoon. Is he not striking fear into the heart of Frankie Molinari? But down the even so, he finished you know eight hundred in the final round. Yeah. That deserves a victory, doesn't it? So you know this this idea again that some American journalists keep putting out there that this Ryder Cup is going to be an absolute walkover for the Americans. So mm. I think it's um, I think they're just they're playing with us with these. Uh, I think they're tickling us a little <laughs> bit with these kind of views that they're putting out there. But, but yeah, uh, you've got the likes of Molinari and Nor- Norren strengthening that team. Mm. Um, it, it's starting to look very strong, I think, from a European perspective. Yeah, I mean, we talked, you know, we kind of said, why is Molinari playing in the States and not over on the Rolex Series event over over in France? And, you know, whilst he justified that, it was interesting to see he got a nice little nod from uh, Thomas Bjorn on Twitter afterwards to, yeah. to say, well done. And He's in, isn't he? <laughs> At the end of the day, he said in an interview after round two, well, why are you playing here? And he said, well, I saw it on TV last year. And I just like the look of the golf course. And when you do, when you do look at that Potomac course, although I don't think they're going to play there again, mm. it, I said to you last week, a couple of pictures I saw on Twitter, it could have been, it could have been Wentworth. Yeah, yeah, there, there were certain elements of it, weren't there? So uh, clearly, clearly fitted his eye very nicely oh, indeed. Man. He was just ploughing it in, wasn't he? I mean, his numbers last week were were absolutely on on you know fourth for fairways hit and first for greens of regulation. 86.1% greens in rig. Yeah. And he was 17th for strokes game putting. So, you know, you're going to win on But he was also his... first for proximity as well by seven yeah, or eight uh, foot. It was just. Yeah. It, it was... He was second for proximity. Oh, second. Yeah. Okay. It was just. Oh, it doesn't matter, so, does it? Second. But yeah, it was crazy. So number. impressive to watch. Like, mm. So he's hitting it close. He's putting well and he's hitting 86% of greens. Yeah. You, you win know, the tournament. You, well you, you might as well have switched off <laughs> after about an hour of the coverage yesterday. Yeah. But you know what? He really. He. he fit in that bill of that kind of question I now have in my head is who has the most motivation or the most reasons to be maximum motivation for the week and his was I need to improve my FedEx Cup ranking and get it sorted 
and he was yeah, yeah, yeah. and he and he knew and he said he was putting up a big sacrifice the you know the french open in order to yeah. do this that equals maximum motivation and he just uh, he he ran away with it it was so impressive to watch and um you wonder whether you sometimes wonder whether you get sometimes you get these signals don't you Barry? Like it was. It was. We so- actually said did, last week. Didn't we? Why the hell is he playing this? Oh, he's playing it because he has to. You know, yeah. But actually, he was playing it because he wants to. He wants to get a win in in America and send a message to Bjorn, and he did it in style. Fair play. Yeah, it was. It was really impressive. And you wonder whether this is a uh, could be a psychological step up for him now that he can mm. can play on. I mean, that uh, he's gonna f- he's yeah. gonna feel on top of the world and. Somebody striking the ball that well heading into you know open championship in a couple of weeks time yep you know he's yep. c- certainly one to keep an eye on and you can be i would say with you know pretty strong confidence a lot of the bookies will have forgotten about him in a couple of weeks time and you could find him out at forty to one he's certainly playing very well indeed isn't he as you as you said Steve that's two wins in quick, quick succession now isn't it and two decent wins as well with it being the BMW PGA at Wentworth as yeah. well and don't forget he finished second at his home event in Italy yep yeah. so you know first second 20 something at the US Open and first again mm. he's at the top of his peak of his powers he's probably the best he's ever played so uh, he gets three year exemption on the PGA Tour for that invitational status victory so um you know, when it comes to next year potentially, or even maybe um, you know some events in the playoffs, he could be one to look out for, especially something like the Players Championship next year, where we know he plays particularly well on those golf courses. He's clearly got confidence now that he can win in America. Right, mm. Irish Open. Yes. Talk talk us through it, Paul. It, it, this this has to be the lead tournament this week for obvious. Yeah, reasons. it's another another big year, isn't it? Another another good event. Another another good event. Um, this is the second of this little mini series of Rolex series events. So we've got the Scottish Open next week, and that will complete the trio before we hit the Open Championship, which is only about a fortnight away now. So um, time to start getting studying about the uh, start studying about the Open Championship. I think. So yes. Um, so. This is another Rolex series event. Obviously, Alex Noren banged his name onto the extended or growing list of uh, winners last week. Actually, he won the first one going back last year, so it's twice he's won that. Um, Rahm's won two of them as well. So you're starting to get a view of these Rolex events, aren't we, that uh, these are good quality players who are winning these uh, these events um, as they're coming up. Um, it's also, this week, it's another one of these major qualifying series events. So... Um, like we had last week and we had over at the uh, the Quicken Loans as well. Um, you get another three people from the top 10 here who are, aren't already qualified are going to find their way into the Open Championship this week as well. So nice little incentive for some of the players who are here this week contending the tournament. So this is an a, uh, Irish Open. Uh, it's uh, hosted by Rory McIlroy. It's interesting actually they're changing the format next year. Um, so Rory's been looking after this, um, his foundation for the last few years. But uh, over the next few years going forward, they're going to adopt the uh, British Masters format for this. So they're going to nominate a um, an Irish or a Nor- Northern Irish uh, host, effectively, for each sub- subsequent tournament. And they'll take it to their home or nominated course over the next few years. So... Uh, we're going to see a variety of different tracks and a variety of different hosts over the next few years. So 
that would be an interesting little twist. Um, I think that worked well for the uh, British Masters, actually. Nice to see the likes of Rose and uh, Westy and Poulter, haven't we? And uh, Luke Donald take the uh, initiative with these events. And uh, we'll see some of Ireland's finest over the next few years do the same with the Irish Open as well. Um, Decent. Yeah, no, it's a good, it's a good move, I think. Um, good idea, yeah. I think... Uh, just looking at the, the market this week, the thing to say, and we've, we've probably been spoilt with the Irish Open over the last few years, particularly with Rory being involved, because he's managed to drag some of the uh, big names over from uh, uh, from America. But there's other other than uh, John Rahm and himself, you know, you, you're looking at just a, a pretty standard top-end um, European tour event this week. There's none of these big names that have come over to, to play, which is a bit of a shame. So you've got uh, Rory at 7-1, to one, Rahm at 15-2, to two, head in the market, and then you're down to the kind of, what you kind of class as the, you know, more standard European tour players, so you, well, you know, top-end players, like the likes of Cabrera Bello and Matt Fitzpatrick, Andy Sullivan, Shane Lowry, uh, Tua Olsen, those kind of players who are around about the 20-25 to 25 mark. Um, but yeah, so I guess, similar to last week, a little bit disappointing in terms of the... Uh, in terms of the attendance, but hey ho, we uh, we would deal with the um, you know the players event can only beat the those that are a bit in front of them, I guess. Um, can I stop? Can I stop you quickly? Mm. Sorry, sorry to be a pain. Did you guys see last week? You know, you you recognise that the world number two was playing at the um, at the Open de France. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Justin Thomas. Did you see the European Tour didn't capture any of his statistics? Mm. Yeah, really. That is just that is just unbelievable. Yeah, they, 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 they could have put a guy on him just to uh, just to mon- monitor just what he was doing. Sh- that is shoddy, isn't is it? Is that because he wasn't regi- registered in their systems oh, or something? Who, I mean, that's. Who oh. knows? I don't know. Wow. I think it has to be a um, a fully fledged European tour player for them to send someone out and capture his stats, or You're at least to publish them. Oh, they, they just don't publish it. So whether there's someone there capturing the stats and it's just not published because he's not a uh, European Tour player or whether they literally just let him uh, get on with it, um, who knows? But as Steve said, there's no data for him. Bad, isn't it? Mm. Anyway, sorry, I thought I'd just <laughs> chip that in. Yeah, you're not impressed, Steve, I take it. No, I hate it. I absolutely hate it. it, it it's <laughs> amateur hour yeah. for me. Yeah, well, he played, but, he, he played quite well. You can put that in. I could, well, I couldn't tell you what he did well or what he didn't, but... <laughs> He clearly he clearly finished in the top ten, which I thought was half days of performance. Yeah, from top. not bad for his first uh, first stab at the Absolutely. course. Absolutely. Um, so this. But sorry, you cracked. You yeah, crack no, no, no. Um, so yes, we're at the uh, Ballyliffin Golf Club. Um, the Glashdy Links. Is that how you pronounce it, Barry? Glashidi. 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 Oh, there you go. Com- com- completely wrong from my my perspective. Um, I'll call it Ballyliffin. It's quite. Glash- it's Gal- it's, it's Glashidi. You have a uh, pre- okay. <laughs> I'm confused now, because you and your preview have a clash. Anyway, hey. I, I, anyway, I will we're calling. We'll confer, we'll, double confirm what's my date. Yeah, yeah gone. We're, we're, calling, <laughs> we're calling. We're calling. We're calling. We're calling. I could well have spelt it mis- uh, in, incorrectly in the uh, in the draft I've done there, Barry. So seven thousand four hundred sixty-two yard par seventy-two. It's a proper links on the uh, County Donegal coastline. Um, so when I talk proper links, you know, it's uh, undulating fairways, peel bunkering. Uh, thick rough um, if you're outside of the uh, the straight and narrow, but generally these links tracks are, are generally wide enough to play. Um, and as we know with these links setups, um, the difficulty of the course is generally down to the conditions, the condition of the course, and um, also the 
the, the weather that you experience over the course of the four days. So the course um, is going to be firm and fast. We're experiencing um, a long, dry, warm spell um, in the UK and Ireland at the moment. Um, and it's the same over there. Um, so the track is going to be firm. It is going to be fast. It's not going to be overly hot, particularly on a Thursday, actually. It's not going to get much uh, much above 60 degrees Fahrenheit, but then it's going to start to warm up again over the weekend. But it is going to stay dry. Um, the big thing this week is to protect the track, it needs some wind. Um, and we're really not going to see that if the forecast that I'm looking at is correct. You know, you're kind of looking at five to ten mile an hour winds all the way through. And if that's the case, then as is often the case with these Lynx tracks, they're just there for the taking for the uh, for the professionals. Which is a bit of a shame, really, because you, you want some challenge, you want some proper challenge for the... Uh, uh, you know, for the likes of the Irish Open and any of these uh, big links events need a bit of wind, I think, to, to keep the players honest. Um, trying to get any history for the course in terms of professional, I mean, the course has been around for a long time, um, but trying to get any um, any history of the you know, of, of professionals having played the track is uh, is tricky. The only event they have played... Um, or the, the men have played is the 2002 West of Ireland Challenge on the European Tour back in 2002 so you're going back a long time um, it was an alternate event as well against I think it ran alongside the US PGA that week so the um, the field was quite weak or very weak in comparison to a standard European Tour event that week as well so um, difficult to read a great deal into it it was won by a guy called Adam Mednick um, at 7 under um, and he won by 5 shots on that week and only five players finished under par. But I think the thing to consider that week is that there was a lot of wind about. They had to stop play a few times because it was too windy for the guys to play there. So as to how much you can read into the uh, the event that week, um, difficult to say really because um, we're not going to experience similar kind of conditions this week. Um, before I go on, I know you've played the course, Barry. What's... Um, any any snippets of information that you can uh, tell us at this stage about how it plays? Well, yeah, first of all, you'd think I would remember the name of the course having played it, but um, I, was up, uh, I was up in that part of uh, Donegal for a wedding, and the day we played it, I was not the day after the wedding, but it was a little bit hungover in the, the pre-wedding uh, uh, celebrations, I guess. So it is the, it is the Glashidi links. Um, Glashidi. Glashidi, yeah. So... From 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 memory, it was it has a lot more up and down and undulations. Um, just not just undulations in the fairways, but you know elevation changes than mm. um, than it appears on on say their website and the flyovers. Um, and and just knowing um, Pat Ruddy designed golf courses myself, and uh, from the memory of playing it a few years ago, um, I definitely have have it in my mind that. You know, a premium on approach play this week and um, very much as well on your short game uh, Pat Ruddy really his courses tend to really challenge those parts of your games um, in particular so th those are be things that I'd have in mind um, when kind of looking to, to make my picks for the week yeah yeah I mean look again I say it's difficult to read into those stats from 2002 because the conditions were pretty extreme but the guys at the top were hitting, um, they were struggling to hit 40% of fairways. It was that, that that tricky from off the tee. Yet they were still managing from there to get, you know, circa high 60s um, in terms of grins and regulation and uh, 
it seemed to come down that week to uh, to performance on and around the green. So that kind of backs up what you're saying to a degree. And that you know, is, is, I guess it's essentially um, from your second shot and in as to uh, as to how it's going to pan out during the course of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, Wait, w- one thing I will say, I know the wind is forecast to not be particularly strong, but it is right on the coast. And, mm. I, you know, having played an awful lot of Lynx golf, um, no matter what the forecast says on wind strength, the wind uh, around Lynx golf courses just seems to have that extra kind of, um, I don't know, quality to it or extra little bit of strength in it that just, you know, I, I'd almost liken it to more torque rather than the actual power of the wind. Um so I don't think they'll have... Oh, it's not going to be completely benign and they will have something to deal with and uh, it will... It, you know, if the wind... It, it's kind of an unusual direction as forecast northwest um, on Thursday. So it's going to make the course play uh, quite different than the way it's designed. And uh, some holes could play particularly tough uh, compared to their uh, you know, the intended design and others could be... You know, you might see a few drivable uh, par fours this week even though they are quite long. Um that the ground is running very firm and fast after the dry spell here the last few weeks. So mm. you're going to, you know, guys are going to be baffled with the run out distance of uh, some of their tee shots. Yeah, I, I, you mentioned the wind direction. It is interesting, actually, because um, this has changed from when I first started looking at it at the back end of last week. Because at the back end of the last week, it suggested the it was all going to come from the east, which, um, you know, given that the, given where the course actually is on the coastline, you, you're thinking, well, that's, you know, it's, it's going to make it particularly benign effectively. But it has switched. It is coming from the northwest on Thursday, switching to the northeast on Friday. Um, and then during the course of the day on Saturday, it's going from southeast to southwest. And then on, on Sunday, it's coming from the west and moving back to the northwest. So you're going to have this scenario, if that's correct, where the wind direction is shifting literally all the way through the four days. And what could be a, a downhill, a, a down downwind hole in the morning on Friday could be, uh, you know, complete complete opposite by the afternoon. Mm. Um, and you know, the difference between days could be uh, pretty stark as well. Although it's not strong, as you say, but um, northwesterly coming into the position of the course there, I wouldn't be surprised if that is a little bit uh, more severe than the that's, uh, forecast. Yeah, that's, gen- that's going to be a tough enough wind to play around, especially like what, 19, 20 kilometres an hour. That's, um, that'll give you mm. a lot to think about. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting, interesting point. And for me, I think it's... It, it's not going to play um, silly tough. It's not going to play to the kind of degree that we saw back in 2002 where only five players were breaking par. I suspect it's going to be far lower scoring than that. Um, I suspect still that the emphasis is going to be on how players perform, as you said, with the approach shots, but also on and around the greens. And um, I wouldn't be at all surprised to see um, some of the best putters start to come to the fore over the course of the four days. Um, and uh, you know it could well be a mix of those guys and some of the green greens and regulation merchants who can uh, continue to to churn out high numbers of uh, greens during the course of the four days. Um, it's an interesting one because the forecast is changing, um, and it has changed my view on where I was going to head to it from the back end of last week. So I've kind of ripped up some of my initial thoughts and. Uh, kind of back to the drawing board as of this morning. But I've backed two players so far. Um, firstly, I am going to stick with Paul Dunn. 
Um, I backed him last week, and he um, he finished twenty first. So it wasn't wasn't a disaster. That was the first event he'd played for nine on four weeks. So. Um, you know, a little bit of rust to shake off. He also talked in an interview about not being um, jaded, not being tired, because he had taken some time. Um, and I think that's, uh, you know, potentially a good move as he heads towards these really big events. And particularly for him this week, you know, I've, I've read some of the interviews um, from himself about how he feels about the Irish Open, about it being his fifth major, as you said, right at the start. Um, and he for me has got the right kind of game if it is going to be a short game and and putting uh, prowess that really comes to the fore over the course of the four days then I think that he could be one of the kind of guys who's who's right up there I think last week it was probably a little bit tough for him if you look at his British Masters win that was a 20 under par there were birdies to be made there and last week was far more of a grind particularly for the first couple of days um, so 21st I don't think was um, a particularly um, bad performance from him and I think uh, you know that's almost like his warm up for, for this week which is the big important week from his perspective in the short term and of course the, the Open Championship in a couple of weeks time um, again you know he's been in some decent form over the last uh, few months so 33 to 1 I'm getting 7 each way with Coral right now um, I thought was more than fair price on a player who wouldn't be out of kilter with the names that we've talked about before with his Rolex Series events. I think you know similar similar justification to last week. Um, I think he's uh, he's the kind of player that could win this level of event. Um, the other guy that I've backed so far, and I'm sure I'm gonna need to find some players somewhere between the two extremes here because from 33 to one. Um, for Dunn, I've gone to 250 to 1 um, with seven places with Coral again with uh, the Frenchman Matthew Pavon. Now, Pavon, uh, he, the reason you're getting a decent price on him is he's missed six cuts in his last eight events. But within that, you'll find that he finished 25th at the US Open. He was sixth after round one. And this was the guy who's gone there and he was one of these players who was you know almost written off he was in a in a two horse race with uh, Alex Levy for top Frenchman and uh, Al Levy was strong strong odds on to beat him in the uh, the two horse race and, and Pavon walked it absolutely walked it so he was sixth after round one at Shinnecock he finished 25th altogether we know it was firm and fast there and um, and he's the kind of player if you look through his record um, there's lots of miscuts in there, but the sparks of life, the signs of life, have tended to come on courses you might find some correlation for this. So um, if you go back earlier this season, he finished 28th in Qatar, which often often plays quite linksy. Um, he's third for greens in regulation that week, 84.7%, uh, which is nice and strong. Um, going back to Dubai last year, the Earth course, he topped the field for putting that week. He finished 13th overall. And again, being a desert track, it's going to be firm and fast. He finished 5th in Mauritius, um, which is an exposed and almost linksy type track um, the week after, so or the event after. So there's some kind of snippets of correlating form there that I think you could link into to this week. Um, third last year at the Scottish Open at uh, Dundonald, I think it was last year, wasn't it, for the Scottish? Um, mm. I just saw that. Yeah. Um, sixth at the Nordia Masters, and that was played at the Barspec track, Barspec track, which is um, a mix of uh, Parkland and Seaside track. And again, it's long, firm. He top greens in regulation that week. Um, and also, just going back through, Morocco, he finished 13th, but he was second with putting on the uh, the bent-based greens there. This is this is a, a bent, 
um, and local grass mix uh, as it was uh, last week actually in um, in France. So you've got a bent base and then you've got obviously the local in, in, indigenous grasses that are blown in over the years. So um, in terms of Morocco, second with putt in there, we finished 13th overall. Um, the Open to Portugal, we finished fourth putt in third overall. And again, that was another bent grass based putting surface. So he's got a mix here of strong greens and regulation, coastal form, firm and fast form, um, being able to putt on the right kind of putting surfaces. Um, He's going to need to bring it all together clearly um, to, to get himself into the top seven. But at 250 to 1, um, I felt that was worth taking um, and certainly a risk worth taking for 250 to 1 with seven places being paid. There are a few bookies going out there with eight places. It's now just gone half six on Monday and the market's still coming up. But um, I'm seeing the likes of. Um, I'll just get this right before I read it out. The likes of Paddy Power and Boyle Sports both gone eight places each way, a fifth of the odds um, for this this event this week. So uh, well worth having a look around at the odds that are available with some of these bookies when you place your bets. But yeah, both of those guys I've done with Coral who are seven and a fifth this week. Um, I need to go and... Decide if I'm going to take some of the guys on at the top of the market. Um, McElroy and Rahm, either of those could win the event, but you're not getting much back for kind of a seven to one shot on either of those guys. And um, I don't know, it's, it's almost at the point where if one of them wins, then then so be it. Then, you know, we're playing for places, but um, uh, you know, I don't think either of them are absolute shoo-ins for this event. And... Um, you know, Rory's got the hosting duties to go with. John Rahm, he's defending. There's, you know, there's complications for both of these guys. And, um, yeah, we shall see. Anyone catch your eye so far on this, Barry? Um, I was really impressed with Rahm last week. Because um, I know I know it was brought up on the show that um, the uh, Le Golf Nacional might not be the kind of test that he could um, have the patience for. Yes, he had his uh, his ups and downs like everybody else, but you know I was um, for one pretty impressed with his finish um, for the week. Yeah, yeah, and, it was uh, good. He, he had a chance to win, didn't he? You know, coming yeah. down the stretch, he was he was in position, and as with a few of them, with a with a stronger uh, final few holes, he, he could have taken the title. So yeah, so, it'll, yeah. it'll um, you know I know he's defending this week, but it's also a new golf course to them as well, so it mm. won't quite feel like a, a regular defense i guess you know he'll, mm. he'll just have that little fresh aspect to it um it's kind of i, I do like paul dunn um as a shout uh mm. I, I might have to actually go and stick with him again um yeah, yeah. I mean, there's probably there's probably a bit of patriotism in that bet if i do follow it as well um but I think you know. Aside from that, I think he's got a, he's got the right game to to tackle it. If it's going to be about short game and um, putting, as you know, some of the the real key factors this week. And uh, equally, I think he you know he wants to win this event. You know, as all the Irish guys are going to absolutely do the do the damnedest to win this. But um, mm. I think um, you know um, he somebody, fits. Somebody me. else, probably, like I'm, I'm not so sure about the short. You know, the the guys at the top. You know, again, mm. like you've Rafa Cabrera Bayo, but I just I, I would never love him at twenties. You know, um, know, and he did. He could he, he, he could place. He, he he could place. You know, my 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 notes, my my kind of summary with 
Cabrera Bello is um, he can and, and probably probably will place. And if you want to take eight places on him at twenty to one, uh, you may well get a return out of him. Mm. Um, it won't won't make you rich, but um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him in the mix. But as you say, he did miss the cut last week, didn't he? So. Yeah, so it's, um, yeah, and it, and his price hasn't grown as a result, has it? He's no. Still, he was twenty to one last week. Mm. Now you can argue about strength of field, blah blah blah, mm. but you'd expect to see something bigger, wouldn't you? Mm. Off, off the back of a missed cut, yeah. But clearly, he he has got a good links history, hasn't he? He has, yeah, yeah, no, he has, and but yeah, but he never wins nearly enough. No, yeah, no, and he's he's defending next week, so again, you could argue that um, you know there's that element um, as a as a positive actually in terms of him kind of freewheeling through this week. But um, yeah, it's twenty to one. It's just it's just not an attractive price point, is it? You know, but like look looking outside uh, that the kind of top few and heading towards the uh, you know the the short medium odds. You know, Chris Wood had a great week last mm. week. Is um, time and time again shows his uh, pedigree on links golf courses. And he's available at forty to one, eight places. Yeah, he's he's very very close to my final team. I haven't backed him. I I've, I read some of the interviews with him, um, and some of the ones clearly watched over the weekend. But I've read the transcripts of some of them, and he um, he talked about being or needing a couple of days of complete rest after that test in France, and his game not quite being where he wants it to be now. It's interesting because he's saying, you know, my, game, my game's not quite there, yet he had a fantastic chance to win a very high-profile event over the weekend. So his game clearly can't be in particularly bad shape. Mm-hmm. Um, he has got a record of, of maintaining his form as well. It's, yeah, it's, it's a tough one. I mean, he, 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 he could just be playing a, a little psychological trick on himself to not let himself get comfortable. Yeah, you know, probably know, he knows he's playing well. I mean, the results proved it there last week. He's just yeah. maybe trying not to let himself get too comfortable in it, thinking that he is just playing well, but you know, just to try to keep pushing himself forward. And yeah. uh, I think like forty to one for somebody who's played very well last week and has links pedigree, um, that's a really good price. Mm. Um, somebody else who's you know had who's a great ball striker and uh, does have uh, good links form as well is Peter Uline, who's yeah. also available at forty to one eight places. Uh, he was top uh, top fifteen in the Irish Open last year. So you know, clearly comfortable with the with the locality and possibly the odd pint of Guinness or two in between rounds. <laughs> so yeah, those two guys have my uh, have my interest for sure. He's been he's been playing well at uh, PGA Tour level as well, hasn't he, Uline? So um, I, yeah, again, is another that's, that ticks a lot of boxes. It's um, yeah, he'll, I think he'll fan, yeah, I think he'll definitely fancy this, and you know, again, back to the. You know, his, his uh, one of his best mates, Brooks Kepka, won the U.S. Open there a few weeks ago. So there, you know, there's that tenuous link there, but could, you know, little factors like that can be the little extra, uh, the, the one or two shot difference come the end of the week. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. Another one who's who continues to catch my eye is Jorge Campillo, who um, is playing very, very. He's got to win something soon. He's got mm. to win something, and um, yeah. putting really well as well. Um, and there's a bit of 66 available with him. Um, again, he's another one who's very close. Matthew Southgate, who I backed last week, he's been currently backed off the boards. And I can see, you know, it's, it's pretty clear why he's finished, I think it's fourth and second in his last two Irish Opens. Um, he's got a couple of top 12, a sixth and a 12th, isn't he, at the Open Championship, fifth last week. Um, I, I, I'm not going to back him. 
I haven't backed him and I won't back him because when I've gone through his history, he very rarely performs performs back to back. Yeah, he, you get a lot of them, don't you? Yeah, he he can pop up, and when it makes sense for him to pop up, like last week, you can bag yourself a decent return on him each way. I don't think he's quite ready to win yet, um, and I think he proved that again last week because the, at the at that point in time when he did have that chance to to you know birdie two incredibly difficult holes, yeah, I'll give you that, um, to put himself in a position to win, um, he, he he didn't muster it, but um, he's. Gone from 200 to 1 last week. Um, he opened at 90, I saw, was the best price. And he's currently been back down. He's 50 to 1 in places. And uh, he's been, he'll has been probably be back down to that kind of 66 to 1 um, maximum level, I'd imagine, by the time they uh, by the time they start on Thursday. And I, I just got enough reservations to leave him alone this week. He could be worth um, a look for first-round leader. I think it could be worth a look at the Open. It could be worth a look at the Scottish if he plays um, for four consecutive weeks. Uh, he may well have a week off next week. Uh, we'll have to see. Um, he could well be worth a look. I, in my mind, I would quite like him to miss the cut this week, <laughs> take ne- take next week off, and then pick him up at 250s um, for the, the Open. Open Championship and get yourself a nice each-way place out of him. Would Question, be my just mentioning first round leader, do you have any of your uh, stats done this week? Because uh, one name just kind of shot off the sheet at me. Um, he's a really great Irish Open record, and has been uh, has been reasonably solid the last few weeks. Bradley Dredge. Yeah, Dredge, Dredge. Oh, I put him up on Facebook the week before um, as one of the um, as one of my first round leader picks that week, and clearly did nothing. And then last week he was first round leader, wasn't he? <laughs> Steve, Steve sent me a nice uh, note to remind me of the fact on Thursday evening as well. Which uh... That's what friends are for, isn't it? <laughs> it's the way of the warrior. <laughs> Always happens, mate. Didn't, didn't, week after itis. Yeah, didn't you back him last week, Paul? Yes. But, uh, yeah, no, I, he's one of those uh, first-round leader regulars. And, you know, we've talked about these kind of first-round leader auto-bet players that you can... You can put out there. He has got a great record in Ireland as well. Um, I absolutely wouldn't put you off him one uh, bit. Uh, but no, to answer your question, the the stats will be out later tomorrow afternoon. But uh, I think they'll look favourable for for Dredge and uh, yeah, what kind of price are we looking? So one twenty five. Yeah, one twenty five outright. So he's going to be circa one hundred to one with most of the bookies for first round leader and uh, yeah. When we get an idea of the draw, where he sits in that, if there's any bias. Um, uh, you may well be worth picking up um, in that market for sure. But yes, that's kind of where I am, Steve, right now with um, with the uh, Irish Open. Should we talk um, Greenbrier? Yeah, let's go for it. A military tribute at the Greenbrier. That's the official title of this. Is this because they've got no sponsor? They should. I think they should have called it We Have No Sponsor at the Greenbrier. <laughs> And that's probably uh, been a more realistic approach. But yes, I take it they haven't got a sponsor. I think it used to be sponsored by the actual Greenbrier Resort. But uh, not this year, it would appear. Mm. Um, it's always one of these events, uh, it's patchy. It's, it's similar to the last week, really. Uh, it's played at White Sulphur Springs, which is in West Virginia. It's in the kind of uh, the foothills or quite uh, well it's at, a, it's at a fair altitude in the Appalachians uh, on that east side of the United States mm-hmm. um, 
and the course itself it's a par 70 it features very wide fairway so it's a bit of a different beast to last week uh, 7,286 yards which are altitude of around about uh, 2,000 feet they can gobble up quite easily um, interesting factors for me big greens mm -hmm. and pure bent grass greens so this this tournament does have a real record of throwing up people that can putt well that actually get the job done yeah I noticed that on the stats actually Putting looks pretty critical this week, doesn't it? Uh, even last year with Xander, he won his first PGA Tour title. If you remember, it's, cause it's interesting what you said about that Pavon chap. Mm. You often get guys that do well at US Open and then pop up a few tournaments later, don't they? Yeah, yeah. And Chauvet did the same last year. But mm. he was at 45th for strokes game putting when he won this last year on the PGA Tour stats and he was also in the top 15 for greens in regulation when it came to my rolling 10-week uh, analysis so a guy that was putting well that was hitting tons of greens and sure enough he came in at 66 to 1. He, uh, two years before that because 2016 there was no event it was Danny Lee that did the same uh, he was 35th for strokes gained putting in the PGA Tour stats at that point and uh, he arrived off a, I think it was something along the lines of 25th at the Travellers. I, I tell you what I see here um, in terms of form. I'll go back to the last four winners. Jonas Blixt. He'd missed the cut at Tigers Tournament. 43rd at the Travellers. Second at the Nordea Masters in Sweden. 11th at Colonial. And, and Angel Cabrera in 2014 had finished 24th at Tigers National Tournament and 11th at the Travellers. Danny Lee, 25th at the Travellers, miscut, miscut. And Xander had finished 36th at Tigers Tournament, 14th at the Travellers and 5th at the, U, uh, the US Open. And those respective prices were 125, 100, 150 and 66 to 1. Tasty. And if we go back before that, Ted Potter Jr. won it, and he came straight off a web.com event where he'd finished 51st. So, again, it's where last year, uh, the last week, you could actually see some results where someone like a Justin Rose had finished 12th at the US Open and won Tigers tournament. Yeah. The last few renewals, there was nothing like that. It was all kind of wacky, wild stuff. With this event, no one to this point has come in here with anything even approaching a top 10 and winning the tournament. There also seems to be something about players that literally needed to have played the week before. Yeah. So in that case, we're, we're talking Potomac last week. And there's probably something in there as well about players that played reasonably well, got a couple of you know decent, nice rounds in at the Travellers. Mm -hmm. Although I wouldn't say that's 100% watertight. You know, Potter Junior won, and he hadn't even played at the Travellers. So, but for me, I, I, again, it's one of those awkward weeks where you know chasing chasing the short prices probably isn't the best thing to do here. Mm. And I don't see a precedent like last week with Molinari, where we had had short price elite winners before at this. So you know, I'm seeing Fiend out fourteen to one favourite. 
I mean, that has as much attraction to me as probably watching Neighbours. <laughs> and I don't regularly watch Neighbours. It used to be good when I was a lad. At university, maybe, Paul, when you had a bit of time on your hands, not playing those fruit machines. But yes, Tony Fien out 14 to 1. I, I just don't see that. I tell you what I also don't see about Tony Fien now, and he probably wins by six, is, you know, we're talking about natural born putters. And whatever, whatever statistics or just the look and feel I get about Tony, I wouldn't call him a, you know, a, a natural putter as such. Um, then we've got the likes of Bubba, Phil Mickelson, Webb Simpson at eighteen to one. I'm sure he'll be tipped. Russell Henley has had a couple of top six or seven finishes here the last two events. But looking at Russell, then he wasn't coming in off a top six finish at the Travellers and a U.S. Open performance. So again, 20 to 1 about Russell Henley, I'm not so sure. Uh, the defending champion Xander is at the best price of 20 to 1. He played clearly very well at the US Open. Um, could, uh, could put up a stern defence, but his, I don't know, he just doesn't fill me with much enthusiasm. And then I'm down to the Wunderkind, the Wunderkid. Uh, Joachim Neiman, who has been sliced to bits by the bookmakers this week at 25 to 1. Oh, that's poor. I've seen 28 to 1 with Bet365 if I wanted to take that price. So I'm going to have a think about it overnight. It's going to be one of those do I back him till he dies type affairs mm. uh, with Joachim. It's interesting because his stats aren't available on the PGA Tour website, and I was telling you this, Paul. Yeah. Uh, because he's been slotted in there as a special temporary member. Yeah. And you know they, they don't show his numbers. And so I've gone to the trouble of looking into his numbers just to see where he kind of sits. Mm. Um, clearly grew up in Chile, played lots of altitude golf out there around Santiago and places like that because it is at altitude. So I've got no problems about that whatsoever. He actually played here last year, Jokin as an amateur so I think this is half the reason his price has been absolutely slaughtered um, we were on him last week weren't we and mm -hmm. he started the tournament well he was 11th at halfway and for whatever reason I know he was in the group following Tiger I don't know if that had anything had anything to do with it but he shot an awful round on Saturday a couple of doubles in three bogeys in about a seven hole stretch yeah, yeah. apart from that he was absolutely fantastic across the whole tournament and he finished with a 65 yesterday, which was the second best round uh, on Sunday behind Francesco. So he's clearly playing some very good golf. He was 29th here last year as an amateur. He shot 68, 68, 64. But he had another bad Saturday and finished, uh, he shot a 75 uh, last year at this. So 68, 68, 75, 64. Take away that 75 and put a par in there of 70. I doubt if he was a million miles away from paying places. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, he's clearly learning his trade, wasn't he? He's still an amateur at that point in time. So, you know, you can excuse him excuse him one bad round. You can excuse most of the professionals uh, one bad round on most events because that's what you get. So... But it just seems a little extreme for me. He was fifty to one last week, and he finished seventeenth. And they've now cut; they've halved his yeah, price. They're taking no chances with him at all, are they? Well, they're they're worried about the guy, aren't they? Um, anyway, these stats—you know, I love a stat, don't I? 
Joking Neiman. I am seeing him. If you work out his strokes cane numbers for his appearances this season where they've been recorded, he is sitting at third for strokes game putting, which is pretty phenomenal. Mm. And he is sixth for birdie average. So at a course where putting is phenomenally important, and we said last year about Xander, he was a fantastic ball striker who was hitting tons of greens and could putt well. I mean, the perfect scenario, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, Yoking sits atop my 10-week greens and regulation tracker, sixth for birdie average and third for strokes game putting, at a tournament where traditionally most of the elite players don't do very well. Mm. So I'm toying with that one. Yeah, it's just the price, isn't it? That's the. I might, I might just have to take 28 to 1 and get on with it. Because mm. last week I rejected a guy that I fancied quite a lot on the basis that the price wasn't good enough. Uh, and he walked it. Mm. So, I don't know. Um, we then got the likes of Harmon Holmes. At bigger prices, I'm definitely very, very interested in uh, Aniban Lahiri. And it's interesting because Unibet have chalked him up at 70 to 1. They actually chalked him up at 90 to 1 this morning, and that lasted about 15 minutes. Yeah. He's at 70 with Unibet, and everywhere else I'm seeing uh, 50 to 1. Yeah. I'm seeing a little bit of 60 to 1. Now, I like Lahiri on the basis that he's putting very, very well at the moment, and his last two tournaments, he's been playing very, very good golf. So. Uh, I think he shot three rounds last week in the top ten. When you you know when you look at the performances on the day, mm. and he just he threw in a seventy-five on the Friday, so that in the end he finished thirteenth. And then the week before at the Travellers, if you remember, he went out in the final group on sorry the second from last group at the Travellers with JB Holmes and finished ninth. So he's playing some great golf, Lahiri, and I just. In a way, a guy of his calibre in a field like this, playing well, when you see... I think he, I've totaled up 18 professional wins Lahiri's got across three different tours, of course. Yeah, there's a, yeah, a, a, a lot of them in his home, hometown, isn't it? And the European tour. Mm. Pardon? There's a, there's a lot of them in his, on his home tour, but, um, but even so, you've still got to be of a certain... Oh. Capability, yeah, to be, to be able to consistently get over the line. And he's, he's not that old either, Lahiri. He's, he's probably younger than, younger, than, younger than you'd expect. And I've read a few interviews, and he had one a couple of years ago at Colonial when he'd only just touched down on the PGO Tour. I think he was another one of these guys that got special temporary membership and worked his way in. Yeah. And he finished sixth at Colonial, uh, par 70 tree-lined, like, uh, like um, this week. Um, I haven't got any issues at all about his altitude play either because I think he finished fifth or sixth a couple of years ago at Crans yep. at the European Masters. Mm -hmm. So he can clearly get his head around the mathematics of um, how, how far the ball needs to fly. The fact he hasn't played here is no, of absolutely no consequence whatsoever because I think three of or four of the last five winners have won this tournament on their course debut. Yeah. So don't worry about that. And he just said, I love playing tight past 70s which are tree line because it reminds me of my home course Delhi Country Club mm -hmm. where you know he's won there in the past hasn't he? yeah he's, he's, got, he's got a cracking record there yeah and he says these these kind of courses which are which are framed with trees 
uh, are quite tight uh, and when it's not all about pure power, just suit my game. So I think Lahir is a good shout mm. this week. Uh, I'm tinkering with lots of different other names, but two at big prices I do like the look of. Uh, whether they make the final squad, I'm not sure. But there's a chap by the name of Denny McCarthy who I've been keeping a close tab on. And McCarthy is sitting at 250 to 1 with Paddy Power, eight places each way. So biggest price available and the biggest amount of each way places. Eight places mm. each way on Denny McCarthy. And he's a natural putter. You can just see the way that he plays the game and you can see that his strength is putting. And putting from all of the key distances. Like I'm looking at 5 to 10 feet and 15 to 20 feet. There seems to be some correlation. And he, they often say here that you read, oh, the greens are beautiful, the greens are superb. And um, I think it does just appeal to guys that are a natural ability with the flat stick. And McCarthy seems to be one of those. And I also read a lot, and I've read this over a number of years, they reckon that this is, in terms of just the profile of the tournament and the laid-back nature of it and whatever, they say it feels very much like a web.com event to a lot of the players. And that might kind of explain why a lot of the elite guys turn up here and don't do a lot. Yeah. But when you look at a lot of the guys that do tend to do well here, is a lot of web.com graduates play well at this tournament. And they, no, I don't know, it might be something to do with the fact that they just feel, they feel that it's, you know, it's like to the, the level of, um, um, the level that they were playing at last year and where they grew up. So and there's something in that. And the thing with McCarthy I like is, um, he was 10th, uh, his record reads, miscut last week at the National. Now, that was his home event, actually, Denny McCarthy. That was his home event because he comes from Maryland. Clearly, a lot of pressure on him, didn't perform. But he was 47th at the Travellers, and he was 22nd after 54 holes. So he was in the mix. And the outing before that at St Jude, he finished 18th. And he was 10th after 54 holes. Yeah, his name keeps popping up, doesn't it? It does pop up, yeah, absolutely. Quite a few, you know, quite a few top ten rounds in there of the, of the day, which I like. And when I look at his numbers, he's 26, 26 for stroke game putting. He's twenty sixth for putts within five to ten feet, and he's seventy fifth for putts fifteen to twenty feet. So, I think McCarthy's the kind that might pop up at a price. The other thing I love about McCarthy, if I if I look at his results on web.com tracks. Uh, which face which have been played at altitude he appears on a lot of the leaderboards mm. so um, I think one there that I do like the look of and the other guy I like at a big price I'm seeing uh, what am I seeing I'm seeing 150 to 1 on him uh, is our German and I've been looking for a tournament to place this guy at for months you know this Paul yeah um, I won't be able to pronounce him He's 125 to 1 with Coral, 7 places each way. Paddy Power have got him as Shaw's 100 to 1 at 8 places, so they know. Stefan Jaeger, the German. And he's an interesting guy. You look at his record on the web.com. He only does well on courses that feature bent grass greens. Yeah? Mm-hmm. That's, that's, a, that's a given. And also, he's just... A phenomenal winner on the web.com. He's won four PGA Tour titles. And he's won at scores of 30 under par, 19 under par, 
14 under par and 16 under par. Mm -hmm. That last one was the Knoxville Open, which he actually won this year. So even though he's playing the PGA Tour, he's been struggling. So he dropped down to the Knoxville Open and he and he reeled that one off at 16 under par. Yeah. Knoxville yeah. Open, which is in the uh, neighbouring state of Tennessee, uh, which is where he went to college and features pure bent grass greens. And it was interesting last week on a course that I think was far too tight, too technical for him. He finished in 13th spot. And he actually, I think he was 44th in the field for GIR, and he was putting like he does on bent grass, putting beautifully. Mm. So I think I might put Jaeger in there as well, because again, looking at his web.com record, places like Utah, top 10 finish, and also uh, at the Mexico event that they play down at El Bosque, which is just outside of the capital city, which is at five, uh, 6,000 feet of altitude. He finished fourth a few years ago. So he can clearly do the maths as well. And I've been looking for this bent grass golf course where scoring 16, 17 under, that kind of, that kind of area. Yeah, it's going to suit him. It looks as well, I did mention this, it looks like it could be quite soft in terms of conditions, and I don't think that's going to do him, him any harm either. Yeah. So I think I'm definitely going to put McCarthy and Jaeger in there at big prices. One, one point with um, Jaeger, um, because of, yeah. of the way they spell his name, um, you may find him listed with some other bookies. I've just found him at 200 yeah, to 1. Yeah, they split him, they split him. Yeah. So is that, with, with Unibet right now, Unibet and Treble A, you use the same pricing structure. Um, you get you get two hundreds with uh, yeah, with six places, so, and again, that's all of the bookies aren't up right yet. So, uh, yes, it's funny, isn't it? The guys that have put a lot of extra places up have slashed his price. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and then the guys that are at five or six have got him at two hundred to one. Yeah, yeah, interesting guy. He was on the No Laying Up podcast last week. So, oh, okay. Was yeah, it? Yeah, so I think. I th oh, okay. What 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 did what did you glean from that? Um, yeah, well, he actually kind of. He kind of half jokingly uh, told that story about dropping down to the web.com tour event, winning it, and then coming back up to the PJ tour. He said, I, I'd say the guys didn't thank me for doing that last you know, when he did it. Um, <coughs> but yeah, um, I, I it was kind of a driving listen and uh, I wasn't really th thinking about it. But the, the lads on the Chris and uh, the guys in No Laying Up always joke about uh, anybody who's a guest on their show gets a podcast bump. You know, their performance gets a bump that week. Yeah. And, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, why not be superstitious? And I, I always keep an eye out in particular for the for people. And, uh, mm. yeah, it seems to, have, uh, seems to have rubbed off on them. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's just that I just like a couple of these web.com grads because you just look at the record here, you read the interviews, they say, you know, this is pretty much... It isn't the biggest tournament on the PGA Tour. They're not huge crowds. And it just feels more like a web.com event. The scoring's relatively easy. The course isn't too difficult. There's width off the tee. Greens are large. And you do get a lot of web.com players just popping up. And I think, because he's a natural putter, you just get the feeling that if someone was to pop up, it could be him. So, yeah. Um, another one I do like, and I'm not... I don't know. I'm going to sleep on uh, on what I need to do. Um, is potentially Austin Cook, who was sixth a few weeks ago at St Jude, a backdoor sixth. Then again, his web.com record at altitude is phenomenal. 
Again, he's a very, very natural putter, Austin Kirk. Yeah, 80s um, one. You might remember he won the McGladry Classic, as I call it, the um, the one at Sea Island at the end of last year. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's got the guy on Twitter, Kip Kip Henley, is it? Who's um, on Twitter quite a lot. He's his caddy, and I just get the feeling with Cook, he's eighty to one, but he's thirty third for strokes gained putting, and he's fourteenth between five and ten feet. And again, he's another I think that could pop up. Mm. Yeah, it's a good player, Cook. What have you uh, What have you got in mind, Paul? Because I know you all have a couple that you like at this. Yeah, I've event. I've only backed uh, only back one so far, which was Zach Blair, who um, was third going into Sunday last week, um, and he started to fall around a couple of shots behind Molinari, um, and uh, they went in completely different directions. So <laughs> he blew up. Right, <laughs> yeah, so where where Molinari shot sixty two, he he was fifteen shots worse and shot seventy seven. But did you see that tweet he sent out where he's just handing money out? Yeah, <laughs> it was a character when they're handing out dollars to everyone. That was like, from. You know, uh, that's from Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's very good on Twitter, Zach. And uh, yeah, he, apparently, I mean, he's a he's a big course architecture fan, and um, yeah. he's he's very he probably like this. He's very yeah, he's very cool. eager to get to this golf course this week. So um, yeah, there there's a guy who has very high motivation this week because you know that'll have stung what happened to him on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and his round on Saturday was so impressive. He was absolutely puring the golf ball. So oh, the, the first know. three days, he was really, really good. Yes. Really, really good. And again, yeah, just, just You know, golf. Some days, uh, as you say in the Big Lebowski, some days you eat the bar, and some days the bar eats you. You know, or yeah. it was something like that. And he, he just one of those rounds that just gets you. So yeah, um, yeah I have him on my short list as well, Paul. Um, on, yeah. on the basis of all those factors. Absolutely, I, I thought a two hundred to one. Oh yeah. Um, given the uh, g- given that he just needs to turn out a final one round around, um, I thought that was worth taking a risk. So. And we know he's a short game expert. Oh, he is. See, he's got, this is yeah. this is the thing with this tournament. You can either be a ball striker that's informed the flat stick, or you can be a total short game animal mm. who's be- barely hitting any greens, but he's scrambling, making pars, and making plenty of birdies with the putter. Yeah. It's just, it's one of those courses where anybody can win. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. So yeah, I agree. With yeah, that. so I like Blair. Um, I back Blair. The other two that I am toying with are a little, little more risky. Well, <laughs> Blair's risky in itself. What riskier than two hundred to one? <laughs> um, Peter Jeez. Peter Malnati and oh, you uh, love him. Yeah, oh, you love and uh, and Daniel Summerhays. Um, so if you can if you can look past the miscut strings from both of those guys, then um, I think there may be some value in there. But um, but again, sh- excuse my language. Shit hot putters. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I might, I might have a couple of couple of quid on uh, those guys to finish in the uh, top seven or eight, depending on what the prices are, but between the respective bookies. But, but yeah, the one I have backed is Zach Blair. I think it's a particularly bad betting heat, I have to say. It doesn't fill me with much enthusiasm this way. Yeah, or particularly good if you can pluck out one of these uh, big 100, 200 to 1 winners. Absolutely. Mm. Um, any, Anyone catch your eye, Barry? Yeah, I, I like um, Andrew Putnam. Mm. Not he's not he wouldn't be an extremely hot putter. He's like he's a, I was just checking there. He's sixtieth in uh, or sixty first, yeah, but you know he's had uh, a lot of good performances and he's been uh, he's been playing some really good golf for a long time. Uh, he's second there four weeks ago, twenty seventh last week. So you know he might kind of uh, fancy grabbing this one um, in a slightly weakened field. 
I was on him last week and he was in semi-contention come Sunday and he just shot a bad round on Sunday. So he's still playing some good golf, Putnam. Yeah, yeah he's not far away, Putnam. The other one I kind of like the look of is Patrick Rogers, but he always seems to flatter to deceive a little bit, doesn't he, Rogers? Or that's my view on him, mm. potentially. What do you think? Anytime I've been on him, it's been nothing but disappointment. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. with that said, can you actually can you believe in an event of this quality, you can get Kevin Kisner at sixty-six to one? Mm. That's a big price for Kisner, but that just shows you how badly he's. Been yeah, he's, he's not there, is he? Yeah, there's nobody home, is there? There's, there's a bit of, bit of uh, bit of value down there. Danny Lee at sixty-six as well is um, is an interesting one. Yeah, he's been playing quite well. Mm. He's another one I'm tying with. Potentially. So, as you always say, Paul, sleep on it. Yeah. Get up at the uh, crack of dawn and make some final decisions, I think. Yes, when it's all clearer. Well, Who won the football, by the way? Earlier, Brazil beat Mexico 2-0. They did, 2-0. Yeah. Unless they got a goal in dead injury time, but yeah. Um, it's, looking quite, it's looking quite good, isn't it, for... Um, for teams on the on the uh, weaker side of the draw, but we kind of digress. I'm talking about England. Really, but... <laughs> you, you, you can say that you can say that a day early, Steve. I expect uh, by this time. I expect we'll lose tomorrow, and that'll be that. By yeah, uh, by yeah, uh, not not long after this time tomorrow night, I expect it will be doom and gloom. Right. Anything else to add, chaps? No, all good. Best of luck for your bets this week, chaps. Yeah. Best of luck to everybody. Uh, best of luck to listeners and uh, we will be back again next week for the it'll be the Scottish Open won't it yep and the John Deere Classic so uh, look out for episode 35 next week Uh, thanks for listening and we'll see you again soon cheers